I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Now, let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish. To put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well. And so it is. So take another deep breath in, and exhale out with a loud sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Welcome back. Fifteen signs you are in a narcissistic relationship. I covered sign one to twelve last week in episode sixty-five. This episode we start with sign number thirteen. Can your partner become volatile when challenged? There will always be bad fights in the relationship, but how bad do yours get, and how easily do they get there? It's quite common with people who have a narcissistic personality disorder to easily flip off the handle, and most likely you'll find in domestic violence cases the partner has this characteristic. 
If they are not violent toward others, you find that they punch walls or throw things when they feel like they are losing the argument. They will also be able to give you several excuses once they have calmed down, as to why they thought it was okay to behave in such a way. Remember, narcissists always want to be right, and they do think that they are in the right because more often than not, they play the victim's role. They don't take accountability for their own thinking process and. Maladaptive behaviors, and they tend to blame others. Therefore, they will not apologize. And when they do, it is superficial, and they will perpetrate their maladaptive and abusive behavior again and again and again. Fourteen. Does your partner always play the victim? Is your partner always the victim, no matter what? This is again another really common sign of narcissism. You definitely will see this symptom in a covert narcissist, aka vulnerable narcissist. It's the inability to accept that they are not perfect, and that they are fallible because they are humans. They will go to extremes to explain why they were the victim, and although sometimes they might seem unbelievable to you, your partner will believe them fully, and may find it annoying that you cannot see from their perspective. It gets worse if you try to point that out to them. Fifteen, is your partner controlling and demanding? If your partner has a Pattern, trying to control what you do or demands that you do things differently, then there is a good chance they are narcissistic. A narcissist believes that their way is the best, and anything else is just wrong. I remember many years ago, I was watching a tennis match with this narcissistic personality, and mind you. They don't know how to play tennis. They enjoy watching tennis, and somehow they believe that just by watching and knowing the rules, that alone is enough for them because they think they are special to be qualified to have a running commentary whilst watching the match. And if someone who knows and plays tennis. May challenge them or correct what they are saying. A narcissist insisted they are right. It is quite comical when you don't take it personally and know that that's how their brain works. So, are you dating or married to a narcissist? If your partner has some. Or many of the signs I have shared with you here, then there is a good chance that you are in a narcissistic relationship. Your next step is up to you, and the only person who can know whether you are happy or not is you. 
You do, however, need to consider whether or not you can live with a person like your partner on a long-term basis, because it won't be them that changes, and they definitely need professional help for any kind of change. And it will be a long road to recovery. Another audience asked, "Why does a narcissist get bored so easily of everything and everyone?" Good question.、Uh, the narc predilection for boredom is seemingly bound up in issue relating to their inability to connect with others. Consequently, they appear incapable of having a long-term. Successful relationship. Now, the narcissist is unable to sustain a connected, meaningful relationship due to black and white, all or nothing thinking. They lack of whole object relations. They lack of object constancy. They lack of effective emotional empathy. They have an inability to self-reflect. They have an inability to trust. They experience emotional memory amnesia. So the above referenced issues will result in the non-treating narcissist eternally feeling as if they don't fit in. They are misunderstood. They are an outsider. They find it difficult to connect with others. It seems that a narcissist's life is characterized by self-reinforcing loops, cycles, and patterns. For instance, due to their inability to connect, the narc will perpetually feel empty, lonely, bored, lack validation. Inadequate, inapt, insufficient, lacking approval, less than, not worthy, and insignificant. Now, unfortunately, the narcissist can never allow themselves to try to maintain a state of general contentedness. Being content. Appears to be the apex of the narcissist's feel-good emotions. It is my understanding that narcissists have challenges in feeling genuine, true joy and happiness. Now, don't get me wrong; they will tell you that they are happy, particularly for the overt narcissist. The thing is that just because they think they are doesn't mean. That is genuine. Due to narcissist low self-esteem, particularly for the covert narcissist, they are perpetually on the prowl for evidence that they are being betrayed. Even if a significant other were beyond reproach, is essence a bionic? Significant other, I call them. The narcissist 
would still nonetheless inevitably get bored. So let me repeat: when it comes to relationships, a narcissist will invariably become bored due to their lack of emotional empathy, lack of whole object relations, lack of object constancy, inability to attach, inability to trust. Predilection for all or nothing and black and white thinking. So, as soon as the most recent significant other is no longer in the narcissist's orbit, a new acquisition source will be installed, as the addict narcissist has no tolerance for emotional self-sufficiency. In other words, when a narcissist does not have a significant other. He gets bored, also. So unable to get out of his own way, the narcissist has an uncanny ability to drive off the people who might be able to have a positive impact on their life. Isn't that sad? These people are risky to the narcissist because they might cause a narcissist injury by simply being themselves. In other words. The narcissist is confronted by their core issue of admiring their significant other for, let's say, X, Y, Z. However, simultaneously, they are also threatened by the X, Y, Z, which causes narcissistic injuries. What the narcissist is not capable of realizing is that people who constitute wise relationship choices are the very people they feel the most antipathy towards, because they trigger the narcissist by providing that which they most desire, and that is unconditional love without judgment. So, my audience, now you understand how this mental illness causes havoc to the narcissist, particularly to the people that they are supposed to love. At this time, let me give you some of the common thinking patterns that generate distress and reduce. Psychological well-being. One, as I mentioned earlier, the all-or-nothing thinking. You see things in black and white categories. If performance falls short of perfect, you see yourself or others as total failures. The healthy way of thinking is knowing and accept, and give yourself the allowance. I am referring to one of the five A's of our needs: attention, affection, appreciation, allowance, and acceptance. Allowance is knowing that we are human beings, and therefore we are fallible, and we make mistakes. Number two, overgeneralization. You see a single negative event. As a never-ending pattern of defeat, phrases like "you always" or "you never" exemplify overgeneralization. 
Number three, mental filter. You pick out a single negative detail and obsess on it, so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened, like the drop of ink that discolors an entire glass of water. Number four, disqualifying the positive. You reject positive experiences by insisting they don't count for some reason or other. In this way, you can maintain a negative belief that is contradicted by your everyday experiences. Often, this manifests as making excuses when somebody pays you a compliment. Number five, jumping to conclusions. You make a negative interpretation, even though there are no definite facts that convincingly support your conclusion. Often, a "wait and see" attitude is called for in these situations, and more often than not, when our mental health is in question, we tend to interpret other people's messages in a distorted manner. We tend to jump to conclusions by mind reading. You arbitrarily conclude, usually by personalizing their behavior, that someone is reacting negatively to you, and you don't bother to check this out. And another common method of jumping to conclusions is the fortune teller error. You often anticipate that things will turn out badly, and you feel convinced. That your prediction is an already established fact, something like self-fulfilling prophecy. Six magnification, catastrophizing, or minimizing. You exaggerate the importance of things such as your achievements or someone else's goof up, or you inappropriately shrink things until they appear tiny. Your own character defects. Or other people's acceptable behavior. This is also called the binocular trick. Number seven, emotional reasoning. You allow your negative emotions to color how you see the world with an "I feel it, therefore it must be true." Number eight, shoot statements. You try to motivate yourself or others with "should" and "shouldn't," as if needing be whipped. And punished before you could be expected anything. Musts and oughts are also offenders. The emotional consequences are guilt. When you direct shoot statements toward others, you feel anger, frustration, and resentment as do they, because the shoot statements are judgmental statements. Number nine, labeling and mislabeling. This is an extreme form of overgeneralization. Instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself. I'm a loser. I am stupid. When someone else's behavior rubs you the wrong way, you attach a negative label to them as well. They are dumb jerks. Mislabeling involves describing an event. With language that is highly colored, and emotionally loaded, and generally not factually descriptive. Last and not least, personalization. 
you see yourself as the cause of some negative external event, which, in fact, you were not primarily responsible for. So, my audience, I hope all the information in this episode has been helpful. And until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com. dot com.